Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the BestOprods.com anime and manga podcast. Sorry it's been so long. Otherwise, yeah. I'm dead. Birdie's here. Eh. <laughs> and if I sound weird, that's mainly because I've been awake for six minutes. I forgot we were recording tonight and fell asleep. Yeah, we're here. Talk about anime and shit. I don't know. <sighs> the new season's kicked off, and I have not watched a single thing from it, because I don't even know what's in it, and I kind of don't care. I know what's in it. Uh, two of the big things you and I, are, well, one, the one big thing you and I want to talk about has not come out yet. That's okay. this weekend or next weekend. That's Goblin Slayer. Right. Yeah. Which I have a question for you. Um, people keep saying uh, Goblin Slayer is the new hotness for Edgelord shit. I don't think it's Edgelord. Do you? It is not. Like, yeah, it gets dark. And if Goblin Slayer, if like if. I'm assuming people mainly think that way because of the first op- like the opening bits of the first chapter. Or, like, the constant death and violent assault of women. Yeah, something like that. But after, like, those first couple chapters, that is toned down a lot. It's still, like, kind of hover, like, the, like, the violence against women and stuff. That's kind of still kind of there because yeah. it's baked into the premise of goblins. Yeah. But it gets a lot lighter and a lot more anime. Especially when it gets the party. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was about to say. Uh, I could see the argument that if the show was just about Goblin Slayer himself, uh, it would be potentially an Edgelord series. Oh, yeah. But his party constantly takes the piss out of him and his mindset, so I don't really... Yeah, so does the world. (laughs) Like, even in Goblin Slayer Year One, where things are very much Goblin Slayer... Like, the spear, like, fucking the spearman is still there, the witch is still there... Guts is still there. Yeah. And yeah, that one's a, that one's a bit darker, but it is still it still has that humor in it, especially when they, especially when like those other characters there as well as Farm Girl. Oh, and fucking receptionist lady. There are so many characters surrounding yeah. Goblin Slayer that like either constantly take the shit out of like take the piss out of them or are such over-the-top characters that they kind of... This series kind of can't be that edgelord. Yeah. I agree with that. But, like, there are other series that I'm going to have fun talking about, like uh, Gridman will be fun. Both because I watched the Power Rangers-style re-edit for American TV when I was a kid of the original series. <laughs> So that'll be a fun walk down memory lane. And also, it's Trigger. Hmm. Yeah, that sounds... Sounds like something. I'm I'm pulling up a fucking list of the goddamn... Yeah. Well, I can talk about two I, that for the new season that we have watched. Can we just get that out of the way? Yeah, sure. Okay, so Double Decker. Yes, Cora wrote up a review of that. Yeah, and... 
yes, it is a, it is the same universe as Tiger and Bunny, just in a universe in a part of the world where there are no superheroes yet. Okay, then. There are superpowers, but they are usually only achieved through, um, you know, drugs. Yeah, as as superpowers are wants to do, I guess. Yeah. So I guess just for quick refresh course for those who don't know, Tiger and Bunny was a series that came out a couple of years back. Uh, it was about superheroes, but it does in the particular Japanese way where they are media personalities, and in this case, like game show personalities. Yes. And it's about two dudes with similar-ish abilities, kind of like getting teamed up, and like one one of them's an old school hero who's been working this for a while. The other one's the new shit. And then there's that fucking fire guy who is kind of a problem. Yeah, just a little bit. I don't I don't know how to feel about that character. Yeah. Between his design and his presentation and his backstory. I don't know. Yeah, and just on a separate note, his pizza looks terrible. They made a pizza yeah. uh, they made a pizza about the character and it looks just like a fucking nightmare. Yeah. And but also as a as a weird positive, um a fourteen year old girl wanting to hit on a guy old enough to be her father is not played as weird and creepy because he shows no interest. Yeah. It's a, it's a fine series. Yep. So double decker, um, uh, the two main characters in this, the, uh, titular characters in this with equally stupid. Na- oh, one is a simple, a simple name. The other is stupidly ridiculous. Yeah, Kirill and-, and Doug. Yeah, because the series isn't just double decker. It's got it's got a fucking semi. It's got a fucking colon and a subtitle. Yep. Which is those two guys? Double decker, Doug and Carol. Yeah. So uh, Doug is a veteran officer for what's called um, Seven uh, O, which is the. Uh, the police forces special investigations unit. Don't down. Yeah. It's played by Mershka uh, Hargitay. And Kirill well, the w is is a uh, is a greenhorn cop who dreams of being a hero but has no drive to actually do anything to become a hero. <laughs> I'm going to be a hero. Hey, there's crime happening. Ask someone, I'll handle it. Yeah, well, what it basically means is that the way this series describes it, he he goes to bed every night dreaming of just by random happenstance ending up in a situation where he would become a hero by acting heroically. (laughs) But he always... But he always falls asleep before he can finish dreaming about what he would actually do if he found himself in that scenario. <laughs> what the fuck? And the, and this sequel, because and this sequence where he does end up in a scenario where he gets to be a hero uh, by happenstance uh, involves him chasing his landlord's cat into a building where a wanted criminal with a minigun for an arm uh, holds himself up with a hostage. So he's, okay, good. I've got my random happenstance chance to be here. What do I do now? Shit, I never thought of that. 
Ah, <laughs> 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 oh, fucking dumbass. It's at this point where um, Doug shows up because the criminal in question was someone who had murdered his former partner, and, but he couldn't uh, do anything to him because there was no because. By the jurisdiction laws of this war of this world, Seven uh, O can only arrest criminals that show evidence of addiction to the uh, chemical that gives you mutant powers. Right, they call the cops Seven O in this. Yeah, do you get it? Do, 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 do you get it? It's like Five O, but biggerer. Yeah, and ridiculous and lacking and much like any parody of this kind of thing lacking any sense of uh you know professionalism of any kind yeah naturally yeah the the boss of 70 is a uh, is uh, basically tony stark and how he looks and how he acts but he's upset that he has never found an agent with a perm I'm starting to hate this. <laughs> yeah, then uh, it, Cora... it, just, it feels like it is trying so hard. Yeah, and Cora mentioned uh, something to that effect in the review that he wrote up for the site, uh, which you can watch. You can read now at deathrowpause.com. Yep. Um, yeah, this one's leaning much more into deliberate parody instead of, like, the kind of loving send-up that was Tiger and Bunny. Uh-huh. And on some occasions that works. Like, um, when Doug shows up and offers Kirill a way to uh, be a hero, uh, he mentioned... I... I I sometimes struggle with laughing at characters that are too stupid because uh, Doug tells him, hey, I've got this plan. It'll make you, it'll get you a huge posthumous promotion. He's like, that's awesome. I'm in. (laughs) God. So, and the plan in question is pull the biggest, um, uh, bluff check in D and D history by cl- by hiding by throwing a smoke grenade, taking off all his clothes, and appearing backwards, uh, looking at the criminal, saying, "I'm from the future," because Terminator. Wait, what? The, the plan was essentially just to confuse the criminal in question by the presence of a random naked guy covered in smoke in the middle of this factory and long enough for him or the or agent Doug to determine whether or not there's and that god this will sound stupid to say agent Doug um Do they have uh, a last name uh Willingham the agent Willingham yeah yeah agent Willingham to uh, determine if they show because there's apparently very visible signs whenever you show evidence of addiction to this chemical so it's either like a a, a dagger mark on your neck or you have uh, essentially the Sharingan from Nardo 
so they have a guy who they think is addicted, think is exposed to it. So their plan is to. So their plan is to. How would that earn any? What? Their plan is was essentially just to check. Okay, stand one yeah. stand on one side of a street, throw a rock down the other side of a street, and then see how he reacts or something. Or fuck it, drive a car at him, or shoot him, or something that, or literally anything that isn't, hey, I like this movie, let's do this bit from it. If you die, oh well, you'll get a promotion. Yeah. Again, uh, like I said, the, the tonally, the reason I'm less keen on this immediately as like as I was with like Tiger and Bunny is just that the deliberate parody means that the overt that whereas Tiger and Bunny had jokes but it was like not it wasn't like taking the piss out of its characters. Yeah no it treated its characters and the world that it's in relatively seriously. Yeah. And it, it is uh definitely the same world and it's like Koro said he could he couldn't confirm it in his review. I only confirmed it because uh, uh, a woman on the news as they were doing this, as they were explaining this, was the woman who headed up all the superheroes from Tiger and Bunny. The like TV lady or wow. whatever. I can't yeah. I can't remember her name off the top of my head. But uh, yeah, and the only the other big difference is that uh, if I had to describe this series aesthetically, it would be Stardust Crusaders. Yeah, I was going to say, looking at uh, some of the images that Cora used for the review, it got I got real JoJo vibes from it. Yeah, it's lots of garish, ridiculous colors, pastel backgrounds. Uh, they do when they do flashbacks to like Kirill's backstory of him being wanting to be a superhero but too lazy to do it. They do like a kind of Andy Warhol esque panel by panel comic book breakdown of his backstory. Yeah. So, yeah, aesthetically, it's fairly unique, and I kind of like the opening. Not It's not quite as much of an earworm as the original opening for Tiger and Bunny, but it gets the job done. Oh. Uh, CG's a little bit better integrated, mainly because there's less of it, but uh, the stuff that's there is not as noticeable as it is. Because, uh, like, you, for all as much as I love Tiger and Bunny, you kind of notice the CG when they use it. Yeah, but actually, that's actually a thing. Like of the series that I really despise the CG of, Tiger and Bunny kind of isn't one of them, with the exception of the Fire Guy. Because everybody yeah. else, because everybody else is in fucking robot suits. Yeah. So, like with the robot suits, they're able to kind of mask the horrid CG of it by having just the robot suits just be all CG, and then they have the fucking regular animated faces inside. I don't think they ever did anything like that with a uh, Blue Rose, the uh, other, the only other superhero who didn't wear a robot suit. Um, that I can recall anyway. Yeah, they didn't do it with don't they didn't do it with her. I don't think, and they also didn't do it with Thunder Kid. Yeah, so it was mainly just the robots the and I know Fire he had, Emblem. He had electric powers, but yeah, whatever. Um, yeah, this one it's kind of hard to tell. At, like Cora was kind of writing it off more than I was at this point because because he mainly has no real love for Tiger and Bunny, so I'm willing to give this a little bit more of a chance because I love Tiger and Bunny. But I am in agreement with him that like the kind of awkward taking the piss out of everything comedy kind of hurts it a little bit. Yeah, it sounds like it. 
Now on to something that's up Corey's alley that I could quite honestly not give two shits about. Uh, Bunny Girl. Okay. Okay. Um, So the first episode starts with a guy walking around the library when a teenage girl in a sexy bunny outfit just starts walking around trying to get people's attention. Ugh. Turns out he can see her. And the reasoning for this, I guess, is going to lead into the philosophical implications of the series as a whole, since this is apparently, they're apparently talking about something called the puberty effect. Ugh. What the f- What the fuck is that? So we don't know yet. But the implication seems to be that certain strange supernatural phenomena can occur under states of high emotional stress during puberty. So it's Charlotte. I guess uh, it's it most seems to be mostly kind of passive things so far. It's hard to tell, and I don't really want to watch more of this. This is uh, okay. So. The reason that the girl in the bunny outfit was in a bunny outfit is because at some point about four months ago, she discovered that on certain occasions, she would just walk into rooms or buildings and no one would see or hear her. So she would occasionally test uh, the power of whatever this ability is, since she has no control over when or where it happens by carrying around a bunny outfit that she can change into if someone to test how effective the invisibility she apparently has is. Well, that's stupid. Yeah. And uh, the only evidence so far that um, this is something beyond just her is that the main character's little sister uh, seemed to psychically give herself uh, cuts and bruises because she was being bullied online from her classmates so she started uh, getting psychic cuts on herself and once when she was defending her sister his when he was defending his sister in front of her classmates it happened to her brother so he has this ugly gash on his chest and that's his younger sister yeah his younger sister so does he have anything, or does it just like a? Does keep I don't know. I don't know. The first episode doesn't really tell me much of anything, and beyond what I've just told you, uh, the bunny girl in question was—it's one of those teenagers who was a child actor who became famous when she was six years old and has been famous more or less ever since. Uh, there's some. Suggestions that her family is in kind of a scandal right now because there's some suggestion that her mom was sleeping her way up the corporate ladder. God, I don't care. <laughs> yeah. I... This, uh, okay, so this is from a. I don't. This is another series from a few. The, the other series that this director made from a few years ago is um, the Pet Girl of Sakurazo Academy, and that was another series where. Every character was so intentionally weird right from the start that I had trouble connecting to anything. 
So, of course, Cora loves it. Yeah, naturally. Also, hey, I just... I I did not know this. There's a new fucking SAO series this season. Yeah. Alicization or something. Ooh. Unless Alicization is the process by which Kirito becomes a, a good character, I don't care. Nah, it's... It's like it's like the it's like the fucking chemical bath from Roger Rabbit. Oh. Yeah, just we get yeah, just Judge Doom shows up, is gonna analysisation every fucking character who's every person who's still alive in the game or whatever. I don't fucking know. Who gives a fuck? It's SAO. Yeah. So this doesn't really appeal to me, and from the sounds of it, it doesn't really appeal to you either. No, why the fuck no? It appears, it, it appears to be a critical darling, but it's one of those critical darling shows that I don't like. I, I described it to Cora as um, intentionally weird indie rom-com anime, which unfortunately there's a lot of those. Yeah, it's based on a light novel series, and the last dis- nice. the last sentence of the fucking synops- like plot synopsis is set in a city where the skies and seas shine. Socrates unfolds the meaning behind his bizarre encounters on women with the said syndrome. Yeah. That's a fucking sentence English. Yeah. I kind of figured it was probably going to be a harem-esque rom-com series. What with the fact that of the six uh, female characters given enough screen time and, uh, dialogue to suggest they'll be main characters the only two that do not show overt interest in the main character are his sister and the girl dating his best friend hmm yeah i i i watched this because the cover was weird and now i realize oh wait i need to not just watch it because the cover is weird. I have to look at what kind of series it is. And I should have realized that this was probably what this was going to be. Yeah. It just looks bad. Well, I'm not sure. It doesn't doesn't, doesn't look bad, but it looks bad. Yeah, it's it's not. In terms of like production quality it's fine it's just it's not the kind of series i would want to watch for reference it's from cloverworks the studio that did the persona 5 anime and co-produced darling in the franks with studio trigger okay both of those looked fine it's just inherent flaws in their creation undid them yeah they're also working on the Promised Neverland anime coming out next year. Did, did you see what the last image in the Persona 5 anime was? No, I did not. <laughs> they stop at Rin getting shot in the face. <laughs> <laughs> what? I get the impression they're going to do the true ending in like a after series OVA, but the last episode literally ends with that guy shooting Rin in the face. <laughs> god <laughs> how about that for a troll <laughs> that sounds kind of amazing <laughs> you know the scene I'm talking about right uh spend some time 
And it's been some time since I last played Persona yeah. 5. Uh, towards the end of the, fi- uh, the beginning of the final act, uh, one of the other officers, besides the woman who has been learning the story from Ren as he tells it to her, comes in and Ren says a catch for a, a code word that tips him off that he knows that he's a traitor and that guy shoots him in the face. <laughs> and that's just like the setup for the final act. Yeah, and so I guess just... That the Ren's the protagonist, right? Yeah, protagonist man. Should have yeah. said protagonist man. I'm sorry. Yeah, I. For, with, all, with all these persona things, I always give the guy a name for the anime, but I hadn't seen anything of the anime, so I didn't know. I didn't know the name of the game. Okay. The only persona, the only persona protagonist name that I know is Yu Narakami. Because From we play, because we watched that fucking show. Because we watched that fucking show. Yeah. Watch the first half of it, and we we're like, "Yeah, this is fine," but you know, it's, it's not just, the game. I can just play the game. <laughs> it's always the problem adapting fucking the game stuff because, like, yeah, I mean, this is cool and all, but I can just fucking play the game. Yeah. So anyway, uh, moving on to something that is actually now. Over uh, two seasons old, but I only just got access to it because Netflix. Uh, Dragon Pilot. Okay. Uh, this is from Studio Bones, and it is it is one of those most gloriously. Like, this is probably the tone I would have wanted from another series, kind of like Tiger and Bunny, because within the first four minutes, our main character gets eaten by her plane. Okay. At which point, uh, the crew assigned to look after the dragon that is her plane uh, injects it with Ipecac to make it throw her up. Naturally. Uh, and the rest of the for an, a huge chunk of the rest of the episode, uh, it basically plays out as that getting the fucking robot scene, Shinji from uh, Evangelion. Where everyone in the military, because she's a member of the JSDF, uh, the JASDF, the Armed Air Forces, and, and everyone just assumes, oh, okay, good, you are a new pilot, great, here's everything you have to do, here's where you're going to live, here are your pilots, they seem to hate you for some reason. <laughs> At which point, after about about maybe five or ten minutes of this, the main character says, I don't want to fucking do this! <laughs> <laughs> At which point, her direct supervisor is like, look, you could have just said something if you didn't want to do this. Like, I did say something! Fifteen times! And you ignored me! <laughs> <laughs> oh, that sounds great. Yeah, the main character... Um, given what you see of her for the first few minutes, you kind of assume that she's like the typical, like quiet reserve doesn't express herself much character. And that's technically true in that she doesn't express herself much, but that turns out to be a deliberate choice because uh, she makes, she often has the tendency if she doesn't control herself to just spout random bullshit about whatever she's thinking to anyone around her. Hmm. Yeah. Like, the person she's explaining this to, she sort of slips in while she's saying it. Like, I could say, why are you trying to smoke a cigar out of a packet like that? You look like a douche. Are you trying to look cool? You just look like a douche. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, her, the, the, her, her fetid rival uh, 
who the other one who wants to be a dragon pilot and her unit who looks and acts like a bully. She says, look, I don't care if you're a bully. You are required as a member of the JSDF to act with some degree of civility. Are you incapable of acting professional? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. I have, I've I've been looking at fucking images and stuff for this goddamn series. And I, it looks like something and I can't fucking put my finger on it. Uh, the, the animation style most reminds me of, uh, I mean, it's not the same tone, obviously, but uh, Made in the Abyss. <clears throat> I don't know, just I just the character design that I saw, I just... Yeah. But since we're on the topic of character design, we can talk about one of the weirder elements, although I guess it fits the tone of the series. Her dragon looks like if you cross Dragonair with Dragonite. Yeah. <laughs> it's... And gave it Nummel's eyes. <laughs> I... Because it just looks disinterested and bored most of the time. <laughs> no, I know. I'm just saying, like, from a... From a baseline standpoint, this series is about fucking Transformers that are dragons. And also mechs. Yes. And... Okay, I will say the first episode is a brilliant taste of whether or not you will like this series because there's a whole lot of stuff that you just kind of go, well, of course Japan has had um, strategic dragons for centuries. Well, of course they've just had to hide the dragons in fun ways so Americans and other people don't steal them. Well, of course we have armor that allows us to disguise our dragons as as fighter jets. Yeah, and I'm not, and we're not talking about like fucking futuristic fighter jets or whatever. It's like just, no, no, like F one F sixteens. Yeah, just fucking generic ass army jets that are yeah. dragons. And along that same line, well, of course we've developed a helmet that allow it projects a uh, a HUD view that allows you to uh, allows a pilot who is literally being piloted in the gut of the dragon to hit certain muscles to help disguise the dragon as a jet. That's the thing. There is a cockpit. There's a literal cockpit on all these dragons, and the way you control them is common and sad as fucking guts. Yeah. And in fact, um, another thing... This is so fucking anime. Yeah. Another thing that I found... uh, Have you seen the first How to Train Your Dragon? Yeah, I've seen all of them. Okay. Well, except the shows. right. Yeah, so you remember that first uh, bonding moment between um, uh, Hiccup and uh, the dragon? Where toothless, he yeah. puts his hand out. Yeah, toothless. Uh, they do that scene for a second, and then the dragon eats her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm going to end up watching this. Yeah, I'm having fun watching it. And the the bull, I'm I'm curious if the bully's going to have any depth or if it's just going to be comedic relief because she literally sleeps going, "Fucking kill you, <laughs> fucking kill you, fucking kill you." It's like the inverse of Bakugo. <laughs> Basically, or uh, when they first meet, the main character offers her like uh, one of those uh, fruity milk drinks, and she glares at her, takes it, drinks it, puts it down, says. That was fucking delicious. Thank you. <laughs> I fucking loved it. Thanks, bitch. Yeah, this was the most fun of the three shows I have to talk about for this sh- for this episode. Yeah, sounds like it. Yep. 
and a long, you know, and there's a long continuing list of stuff from Netflix did what I need to get caught up on. I still haven't watched uh, the true Edge Lord series from last season, Sword Guy. Sword Guy? <laughs> Better yet, Sword Guy the Animation. Oh, man. It is... <laughs> Whatever it's called, the animation. <laughs> is that... Tr- is that Trigger? Whatever... Sounds like... Tr- I don't think it's Trigger. No, I just... Anything, anything called the animation, I immediately associate with Ninja Slayer the Animation. Oh, yeah. Okay, no, it's not Trigger, it's Production IG. (laughs) (laughs) Who's doing it as a co-production with a studio called DLE, which did the Akiba's Trip anime. Oh, right, that thing that shouldn't be good, but Cora said was good. Yeah. Okay. Man, anime is weird. Yeah. The first video review of Sword Guy the Animation I found when I was looking it up says, Why is it so edgelord and yet so boring? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that sounds perfect. (laughs) Continuation of King's Game, or did that entertain you enough to not be considered boring? I don't know. I never finished it. <laughs> I got to the episode where a character was. So I, so I got to an episode where one of our, where one of our characters from a, from the previous story, uh, got the power of King for a day. And he found out that, and he learned like, Hey, one of the classmates fucked his girlfriend. So he gives, so he gives him the order to kill himself. Otherwise he'll be forced to, to undergo the punishment during which he'll kill himself. Uh, I much prefer my entry for worst anime of 2017, which we still, that's one of the shows on the list for um, potential little one-offs to see if audience interest. Yeah, well, we'll, we'll get we'll get to that. Yep. Coming soon. Yeah. Share the Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Oh, uh, God. Let's go. You all right? King's game is so fucking stupid. Yes, that's what you and everyone has said. Cause like you get fucking four episodes into the story, and it goes into a flashback for an entire different story where they learn all these things. Then we get back to the regular story where the where the same characters learn the same things, <laughs> but there are new characters there, so they have to learn it too. <laughs> It sounds repetitive and boring. Ah, oh, but it's it's like it's like it's like that, but it's also like trickled with just really dumb shit all over it. Like, fuck, man, you need to see it. You need to experience it. It is a nightmare that I it is a nightmare that must be shared. It's the fucking ring of anime. <sighs> but anyway, um so that's it for anime stuff. Now for one or two manga before I uh, hand it over to you. Uh, let's get the one that kind of 
I enjoy reading, but I'd have trouble telling you why. Uh, quintuplet catastrophe. Okay. Yeah. So this is a rom-com where the main character uh, is hired by a rich douchey dad to tutor his five uh, uh, his five uh, his qu- his quintuplet daughters. Naturally. Yeah. Each of them has a distinct personality and does enough to make them look like and look and act like a different person that you never have trouble telling them apart unless they intentionally mimic each other, which they sometimes oh. do, but not often. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the main thing that I, I guess I'm still I'm still reading it. Uh, and the main reason I'm kind of still reading it is that what you kind of learn quickly from this is that the main character it the the crux of his involvement in the story is essentially helping the fi- the five girls develop as people because and he says this to the dad himself you're a shitty father <laughs> and because of that the 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 argument has now become how can this guy this tutor who no longer is act, who is actually no longer paid to do any tutoring because the dad fired him, but the sisters feel like they need him in their lives to help grow as people. How is this argument? But as the da- and the dad keeps like trying to like weasel his way in between one or two of the sisters to try to get them to turn on each other so that they will all le- ask him to ask the tutor to leave. So. Like it's not really an argument between him, the main character, and any of the five girls at all. It's mainly between him and the douchey, overprotective dad. Uh huh. And yeah, of course, there's like some romance elements in the background, but it's it's not annoying. I guess is why I'm still reading it, even though like you read the premise, five uh, identical sisters. In a rom-com, you assume you know where that's going, but it really hasn't gone that way. Okay. Enough, like, most of the time is given to who the five characters, the five girls are as people. And you like the main character enough, partially because... (laughs) Okay, I'll admit, this is a weird, um... Type. I don't think I've seen this type of protagonist lead in a rom-com before. Uh, how would you describe it? Um, you remember the the lead guy from... Uh, what is that show called? Uh, World God Only Knows? Yeah. Imagine if that guy was an ex-thug. <laughs> okay. To where he is, this guy is like angrily obsessed with studying. And he's dirt poor, which is the only reason he doesn't, he can't, he's does nothing but study. So when at first he's offered the tutoring job for an obscene check from the dad, he's like, okay, I'll take it. And the, until he goes, oh, fuck these sisters. <laughs> but his approach to it is essentially, I'm going to be a thug about this. More often than not. So that at least is, makes it more entertaining, I guess. <laughs> what did you say the series was called again? Because I'm trying to look up info about it and I can't uh, find it. 
the English title, I might have, they might have, I might have read it wrong. I wrote it down. It's Quintuplet Catastrophe. Uh, the Japanese title is uh, G O T O U B U N N O H A N A Y O M E. Huh. I'll look it up later. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, um, yeah, it's fun. I kind of enjoy it. For I mean, I'm not that big of a rom-com person, particularly with anime, because the tropes have beaten themselves into the ground. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, this one's not bad. No, really. What it is. Uh, oh, The Five Wedded Brides. You might want to try to on that title. But, uh... Okay. So, what's the last... Oh, right. Yeah, let's just... Speaking of weird shoujo series, there we fucking here's go. a ch- yeah, here's a Chinese one um, with one of the weirdest clickbaity titles for this kind of series I've ever seen. Oh, find find a child, get a free husband. <laughs> what? Do you want me to explain, or should we just stop there? Uh, yeah, let's just stop there, man. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah, it's a Chinese series. Uh, eight chapters out. I'm reading it because it's insane. It sounds it. <laughs> just Christ. <sighs> okay then, I right. guess. Yeah, on to you. Okay then. So I don't have that much to talk about. I have been out of it the last couple of months. We're getting into this transitionary period between fucking summer and fall, and that's like just fucking with my horrible mental disorders. So I haven't got a chance to read much. It's mainly just been kind of retreading over my old stuff. Uh, but I did take another stab at the Promised Neverland. I'd been hearing fucking nothing but goddamn dick slapping amazing things about this goddamn book. And so I figured that I would give it another shot. I had tried it before when it like started coming out back when it was like back in those first couple of chapters. I think I made it about like 20 in and kind of fell off. But now there are a lot more out there. They've passed 100. And I also think they've announced the series is going to end soon. Okay. Which was a little surprising to me, but. But not, but not because it, not because they announced like, hey, we're ending, but because they, they're ending this early. There's always this book from the very beginning felt like a contained story. So for those who don't know, Promise Neverland is about this group of kids who live in this orphanage. They all have like tattoos in their necks. They all go through these like insane like quizzes every fucking day, basically, these tests. And three of the kids at this one specific orphanage are the best of the best. They are they get 100% on every one of the tests, and they are the fucking bestest kids that could ever be. They are Emma, Ray, and Norman, our three primary protagonists. 
And then one day, uh, Emma and Norman find out that this orphanage is raising these kids to sell them to demons as food. So then it becomes a, so then when I left off, it became a plan to escape. Just, we we are these kids, we're going to bust the fuck out of here, and it's going to be, and we're going to find our own fucking life, the promised Neverland of a place where we don't get eaten by demons. And yeah, when I when I left off, they had just managed to get out of the. They had just managed to get out of the uh, little enclosed space where the orphanages lived, and get out into the woods where there were all kinds of demon animals trying to kill them and shit. Got a bit further now, and we have learned more about the world. And it is, it's kind of interesting. So. The idea with the world, uh, like, the, like the thing that they had been building up was that, um, was that like all the stuff they got the earliest, so like all the stuff that they got, uh, it had been some amount of time since, like they got a bunch of old books and shit uh, from the outside world, and the newest stuff they got was from the year 2015. And so then they were like, all right, so based on this, this, and that, it is this much time past that. What happened from 2015 to now that there are now demons everywhere? And that was kind of the big thing. Uh, turned out uh, that nothing happened. There have just always been demons. Huh. And and like a thousand years ago or whatever, humanity made a deal with the demons. Where human, where where the human race gets half the planet, and the demons get the other half. Humans, humans can't cross over to the demon side. Demons can't cross over to the human side, and any humans that are in the demon territory can't go to the human side. It was this long-held promise made by this uh, family, this like old world family, and the king of the demons, whose name is impronounceable in human language, I guess, because they keep using this weird font for it. And in this weird language that looks kind of like weird fucking Cthulhu symbols or whatever. So once they found out about that, the kids then the kids then changed course from we're going to escape to we're going to find the king of the demons and make a new deal. Huh. Yeah. Okay. And at, yeah. And as they're going along, uh, we find more and more about how... This world works how the demons work. We find out that there are actually religious sects of the demon society that don't eat children. They don't eat like farm kids. Because that's what they are. These guys, these guys are essentially fucking GMO free, free range cattle for the demons. Like if you are smart and athletic and whatever, if you are a fucking baller kid, then you are fucking grade A premium quality meat. And if you're not, then you're fucking KFC. And we also learn along the way that people have escaped, like children have escaped these fucking farms before. And they've done it with the help of a guy named William Minerva, who is a guy who, like, as they're going through, as the kids were going through the whole, all the, like, authors, all the books they had gotten, they found that a large number of them came from this William Minerva guy who had left secret codes hidden in, like, fucking indexed inside the books along with a along with a special kind of pen that when you reach the right coordinates unlock new information and maps and shit about the world 
And so the series, the series was very much a, the series was just as much about the world that they live in as it is about the characters. Yeah. Okay. That's not a bad thing. No, it isn't. And the world itself is actually really interesting. I have like once, once we got beyond the initial stuff that kind of like, they kind of lost me. I was able to get a lot more into the world and I found it really interesting. Like even the, even the idea that there are just straight up like, like the different farms, different, uh, like all the different farms have different, uh, fucking uses to them. Like, like the farm, the farm that our main kids come from, that is, like I said, the free range GMO free fucking whole foods kids. And then meanwhile, there's a, there's this other farm that we get to go to. That is a hidden farm, hidden from the fucking king of demons and from the and from the human side of things, where the kids are just dropped off, and then every few days demons come to hunt them. And so it's and and we learn that we learn like kids who had escaped from a previous place had ended up there, survived into adulthood, and are now helping these other kids survive. And it just builds this, and it just builds this really really well-realized world. And when I, when I said that it always felt like a limited run series, I, I meant that like in terms of anime where I figured that I figured like there was a very clearly defined end point with a specific number of chapters leading up to it. Sure. Like this guy had like this guy decided like, Hey, I have the story planned out. It's going to last this long. Then I stop. As opposed to regular stuff in Shonen Jump, where it is, all right, I have this base idea and these first three story arcs, then it will go forever until I die. Oh, speaking of which, what the fuck is is Soma doing? I don't know. I fucking, I, I do not know, man. That if you fucking had told book. me this was going to happen based on where the series started, I'd be like, you're insane. Why would they do that? Yeah. Like it fucking like it starts out, fucking Soma starts out as just hey my hey my cook son go to this fancy cook school and get gooder at cooking, and now it is I'm gonna fight the fucking criminal underworld of food to fight my quote unquote brother to get a girl. Yeah, and <laughs> and then I'm gonna Why? take o- and then I'm gonna take over my diner. Why? <laughs> Also, hey, we got the first mention of Soma's mom in 250 chapters. Yeah, not who she is or what role she might have played in Soma's life, but nope, you know, just, she exists. Yeah, just just fucking Joichiro sitting in the fucking sand going, our kid is a lot like you, huh, nameless wife. And then not we get even, fuck, a, not even like a shot of her, I don't think. Nope, he just stares off into the fucking the darkness of space. No name, no picture. <laughs> We're gonna get to the end of this, and it turns out his it turns out his fucking mom's like a box of beef broth or something. Yeah, you know that old that old Disney joke that uh, Disney uh, pr- protagonists are always obsessed with one parent, but always ignore the other. Yeah, this really feels like that. <laughs> yeah, just any picture that we find of Soma and his family. It'll always just be all right. So here's your dad, and here's you, and this person. Then this person cut off by the glare of the sun is your mom, but dad, it's night. Ah, the glare of the sun. How I miss her. Uh, or watch it get to the end, and it turns out fucking Soma and Erin are brother and sister. 
Oh god, I don't need to see that. <laughs> the only time incest has re- recently has been entertaining to me is when Doug Walker reviewed Sleepwalkers. Here's the thing, like they're like yeah, Arena has kind of been like beginning to get there, but I think Soma is too stupid to know what love is. Yeah. It, like um <sighs> He, he he it's almost like he literally has that uh that bad joke from Scott Pilgrim where he just keeps saying lesbians no the other L word lesbian <laughs> like for him that like he has literally i think food on the brain so the idea of love to him is oh you like my food cool great let's do that yeah i'd he's like the, he's like the goku of cooking Just eventually, like, eventually he's going to have his own kid, and he's going to put that kid into Shokugeki's for the sake of the restaurant, and just fucking start hucking knives at him. Yeah. So, Probably got this equally kid. bad a parent based on uh, his own father. <laughs> oh, God. Like, I know, I know a lot of people like to make the joke that Goku is the worst father ever, and I don't necessarily agree with that, but I see the argument. <laughs> He's not the worst father ever, but he's he's up there. <laughs> like fuck, Piccolo's a better dad than he is, and Piccolo's Piccolo for a while there was a literal demon. <sighs> so yeah, uh, so- someone's gone off the rails. Yeah, and Promise Neverland is. Still kind of on the rails right now, but I don't see how they can get to a satisfactory conclusion in the next bit, assuming what I heard about Promise Neverland ending is true. Let me just double check that, because I believe the last time I saw that thing, I saw it on Reddit, so for all I fucking know. That, that could mean anything. <laughs> okay. So it was in a recent interview where, well, a recent interview as of August this year, where the writer of the series had imagined that the series would only be 20 or 30 volumes long. Okay. And they are getting towards the final arc. So it's not like just straight up ending right now, but it will be... Oh, no, actually. And then from this month, then from last month, like literally a month ago, the Promised Neverland manga has entered the final arc. So, yeah, I guess the book is ending. Uh, Whatever. Yeah, I don't see how they can really pull out a satisfying conclusion from this, but... Maybe they can. Yeah, maybe they can, for all we fucking know. Yeah, we get to the end, it turns out the Demon King is fucking Norman or whatever. I don't know. Uh, only other thing that I read that I can really pull anything out of my ass to be able to talk about is, um, can I kill you, my darling? Oh, right. I heard about I did. I remember telling you about that series. Yeah. So... Did you actually enjoy it, or was that just a complete one-off, oh, you might like this? It was alright. 
read it, read it for a while and enjoyed what I read. Uh, thought the premise was interesting. Um, wasn't a big fan of when they made the fucking uh, when they got to the big fucking plot I guess, movement. Where it's like, hey, guess what? Now your lady friend's also murder happy. Hey, I know she's Goku. What? Uh, just the fucking strongest ever. I don't know. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, like like, uh, he, right. like, he, like he has a super strong killing intent, and then they and then they meet up, and then he goes to fucking go talk to her, and then all of a sudden, everybody in the fucking, like, within a 30-foot radius just all of a sudden shits themselves because she's so murder-happy. I see. And it's just like, wait, what, why, what, why, what? I don't, I don't know. So, for those who don't know, basically the behind story is that there is this disease going around that makes people murder the ones they love the most. The more you love somebody, the more you want to kill them. Some main, people just call that love, but whatever. Yeah, our main character gets fucking infected by it, and he has a childhood friend that he's in love with, because of course he does. And he wants to kill her. But he manages to hold himself off, and eventually discovers that if you have this disease in you long enough, you develop superpowers. <laughs> specifically... Uh, okay. Specifically, you develop superpowers based on the part of your body that the person you love is the most infatuated with. Or something along and those lines. Like, like what if, part like it, is he so infatuated with that he gave her superpowers? I don't it, I do not know. That I that, that part has not come up yet. All we know that from him it's his eyes. He can see gooder now. Okay. There's another okay. guy who has like fucking animal senses and a third guy who can like say a word and make people's blood leave their body. It's it's a very loose justification for we want to give these guys cool superpowers, but we can't think of a way to do it naturally. Okay, yeah, the disease and yes, love. I mean, I'm not opposed to dumb reasons for superpowers. I mean, I read Green Worlds. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, that fucking book. But Christ. <laughs> I guess it depends on the scenario. Yeah, I... Remember U19? Yes. It's a shame that book got fucking cut off because I would have liked to see where that went. It was just a, it was just really fucking simple, decent story, at least set up that I thought it had some legs to it, but I guess fuck me. Japanese audience was not having it. They were too enraptured by fucking, I guess, we can't study and fucking the Promised Neverland. Look, I mean, I don't think it's that good either, but don't shit on on we can't study. It is what it is. <laughs> I'm not shitting on it, really. I'm just... It was... I feel like I feel like U19 got a really bad fucking like opening hand just because of the time it came out because it came out around that I think it came out like around the same time that these other books came out. 
and like looking at the books that have looking at the books that have started from that little point in time and have moved on, they are the least shown in books. Yeah, fair enough. Like Shonen Jump's doing a weird turn where they're moving away from the standard Shonen stuff and going toward the weirder, more seinen or shoujo tinged aspects. Yep. Which is odd. I I would not have expected that given how fucking long One Piece has been in publication. Hmm. Oh yeah, also I guess One Piece update. There's time travel now. What else was there for it to do? I don't know. Fucking Cthulhu. No, they kind of did that with the Sea Kings. <laughs> yeah. Fuck. What else was there? I'm honestly trying to think, and the only thing I can think is, like, genuine romance, but the author has said, we ain't doing that shit, boy. Yeah. Like, for all the times that there are, I could see potential pairings that could potentially lead to a romance, nothing about the way One Piece has played out has led me to believe that that was ever going to happen. (laughs) No, like, there are, like... Like, that stuff does exist in this world because there are children. But... Yeah. But every... Even, like, for all of the sexualization we see on, like, developed characters, there's no indication, really, that those kinds of urges play a factor in... (laughs) With the exception of Sanji, but Sanji is kind of... Yeah, like that's like a characterization trait, not something that really informs yeah, I don't, his development. Yeah, I don't think Sanji knows what sex is. Yeah. He just knows that, oh, ladies, I gotta do something with you. Like he's, he's discovered his penis and he, he, he has a rough idea of what he's supposed to do with it, but doesn't know exactly what. Yeah, it's like, all right, so yeah, ladies around. So what do I do? Like, put it in soup? It's like, no, that's a waste of soup. Fuck, man. One Piece is like the fucking anime Simpsons. Just. It'll never die. (laughs) No, just One Piece did it. Fair enough, yep. The day that book ends is going to be a weird goddamn day. Yeah. Because, like, we... Presumably... There's going to be a weird hollowness in the world, and everyone's like, what what happened? (laughs) Yeah, it's like a million weeb voices cried out at once, then were suddenly silenced. Like, presume, like, presumably given what we have, what has been said about this book and the ending of the book, it will probably happen before the author dies. 
I say probably because with the amount of time that guy's been in a hospital. Yeah, he might be in decreasing. Like this, as long as the series has gone on, it's slowly killing him. Yeah, it's especially because of the, especially because of the fucking, uh, the release schedule and the work fuck and the amount of work they need to put in for fucking anim- for fucking manga. Like, we, me and you, from, on the comics podcast, we shit on comic release schedules all the time. Oh, sure. Hi, Bendis. Yeah, but the inverse of it isn't better. No. <laughs> like, with comics, it's a lot... Because, like, like, well, I mean, the... As an example of something we think about here, I mean, okay, so Jeff Lemire, I'm not sure how that man ever sleeps, but he... Seems to be doing okay, so good for him. I'm assuming but, it's um, like, I'm assuming it's like weekends. Just like he spends like spends like five days just writing and sleeps for two days. Yeah, but uh, in terms of a a comparable example to something that we to uh, something something that gets talked about a lot in the West that gets that seems comparable to how Hiro Oda operates is like video game crunch times. Yeah, just they go for I fucking. I think that's how he operates. <laughs> that's how all mangaka operate. Yeah, I mean, fuck, I've watched Bakemon. A fucking story beat in that series is the fact that fucking one of our main characters works himself to the point of exhaustion, and then while in the hospital, continues working. Yeah. To the point that his girlfriend has to fucking run in and literally hold his hand to keep it steady so he can draw properly. And wasn't there a character in, um, what's it called, uh, uh, Bakuman that was basically Hiro Oda? Yeah, uh, Nezuma Eiji, the crazy one. Yeah, who we both agreed was like in too good a shape to actually actually have been, uh, Oh yeah, like he, he is, like he is... Constant energy, constant fucking just drive, doing this shit at all times. He should just have fucking bags under his eyes and a mask on at all times, occasionally coughing up his own blood. Like, he tries to jump and his fucking knee pops out and he passes out from exhaustion. And, like, we make these jokes, but they are out of genuine concern here, I think. Yeah. Like... Uh, a, a sentiment that's good coming out some in the wake of like the death of Telltale is uh, no game is worth the health of the people that made it. Yeah, and I feel like that's true for any creator. No, no single creation is worth the death of its creator. No, not at all. So hell, like if fucking One Piece, if they switch that to a monthly schedule. I feel like that would be like a real fucking boon for Oda. Yeah, but it unfortunately it's kind of in the name Weekly Shonen Jump. Yeah, and that book is so fucking attached to Jump that if they ever tried to say, "Hey, we're moving it over to another magazine," that would be disastrous. Yeah. Uh, also, um, what was I gonna say? Uh, yeah. It's going to come to me at the most opportune time. Whatever. Uh, and honestly, actually, if they had switched it to a monthly release schedule, I don't think Oda's body would be able to handle it and it would just shut down from shock. Yeah. 
Oh, right, that's what I was going to say. Uh, despite the fact that newer Shonen anime coming out are back on, are like released on a seasonal schedule, like maybe once a year, like one point, like uh, My Hero Academia, I think One Piece is still operating on the like, we will just keep releasing episodes thing. Oh, yeah. So it's just, it's a product of when it was released, and so it can't escape. <laughs> Oh God! Maybe that'll be maybe that'll be the thing. Like once One Piece ends, and after Oda's funeral. Uh, don't say that. Come on. <laughs> Weekly Shonen Jump will just come out and say, "Hey guys, big announcement! We're changing to a monthly magazine." Why? Because we're tired of our uh, our best talent dying. Oh yeah, <laughs> just these motherfuckers. We uh, we the, like the old like the old fucking guard that put this shit into play. They fucking hated the creators. We don't. We want these motherfuckers to be able to sleep and shit properly. So, monthly release schedule from now on. Eat my ass. Editor chief out, bitches. We just walk back into the building and then the building just shuts down. Oh, God. Oh, yeah, that's all I got. We're going to end the show on, but fuck it, whatever. Actually, no, thank you all for joining us. Uh, At least we got a show out. Yeah, sorry again that it was so... This, I I dropped... I, like I said, I've been fucking out of it. I should be better for next time. Yeah, and we'll have more to talk about next time. Yes, because things will have happened. In the meantime, though, sure to, check out, sure to keep going back to the site for our for all the other bullshit we do around here. We're fin- we yeah, got cor- fuck. We're fin- we finished off. My first girlfriend's a gal. Ugh. So we got that in the fucking. We got that in the goddamn barrel, ready to ready to go, and then we'll have something else to fucking torture ourselves with eventually. Because we want to get back to doing the anime club. It's just we. It won't be something as bad as that. Like we, yeah. like we, like we've both been talking about our fucking like worst anime of 2017. That's gonna be like a couple away. Yeah. Anyway, we have that. Um, I was like, I said, check out the page. Like I said, check out the Patreon. Uh, we didn't, we did a big an update thing there where we now have polls and stuff for patrons so they can vote on the shit we watch next. And yeah, want to get more involvement from you, fucking cunts. Because we like you. Yeah, we like you fucking monsters. That's why we. That's why we know. That's why we put the fucking choose a thing we watch at the highest tier possible. Because if you motherfuckers are gonna make us watch some fucking Serbian film, you're gonna pay for it. Anyway, though, we'll be back in two weeks' time with more of this shit. Until then, I'm dead. I'm Birdie. See you guys next time.